Good morning, everyone. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I hope you um, are not in church this morning and then do like many will probably do tonight, go out and make a fool out of yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't need any of that now, do we? Well, it's so good to see all of you here today. I would like to also welcome any visitors that may be here. And um, I might tell you that I'm probably not the poster boy for um, for Vineyard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you would get a better representation of that uh, some other day, I'm sure. But um, so you'll need to come back sometime when Brian is here and uh, hear, hear some good preaching. And he does some good preaching, doesn't he? Huh? I'll tell you what, and it's, it's not just because he is my son, but he has some excellent, excellent uh, ministry that he brings to this church week after week after week. And uh, I know a little bit about the, the time and the effort that he puts into it. Um, from, from my background, there were times that you kind of had the uh, feeling that some people might have gotten up and the deal was open your mouth and the Lord will fill, fill it. Well, that, that doesn't work too good. And that doesn't, uh, that, that doesn't give you much to chew on. But um, Brian certainly does an excellent job in ministry. And I appreciate your uh, help and support that you give him in this church. I really, really do. So I just wanted to say that. He, it seems as though when I, when I preach that Brian usually gives me um, my subject material... I think he's afraid to turn me loose. He kind of, <laughs> he kind of, now dad, we're in this series and this is where I want you to be, where I want you to stay. So it's kind of an odd thing obeying your son. <laughs> what is wrong with that picture? But, uh, <laughs> but we try to try to do the best we can do along that line. Okay. So we are continuing the faith series today. And we're going to be taking a look at um, the biblical character by the name of Job. And I have entitled today's uh, message, Job, Faith Triumphs Tribulation. Faith Triumphs Tribulation. And if you're here today and you have tribulation, I hope that you have faith to triumph over your particular tribulation, just as did Job. I would like to start out today and tell you that God is very, very concerned with the way that we approach our walk with him. Now, let me, let me say this at the outset, too. I should have said it five minutes ago, but the outline that you have, it may not be in total sequence, okay? Um, Brian likes to have an outline. He wants me to have it to him by the middle of the week. I don't always have my sermons done by the middle of the week. I know what I'm, I let, like to let it simmer and then put it together at the end. But uh, so to get an outline out and to get something on paper, I shot this off to him by email. And that's what you have, but you might not know where we are in the outline. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll find a little semblance as we go along. But uh, don't just, just kind of pay attention to me, maybe and not, not be reading. Where is he? I don't know. All of that. But God is very concerned with the way that we approach our walk with him. 
Deuteronomy 6, 4, and you may want to write some of these down that are not listed there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love thy Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. What that is really saying here is that with every faculty and every capacity of our being should express the fullness of our affection for God. I saw an article written some time ago by the well-respected clergyman Jack Hayford in which he was taking on lightweight Christians, lightweight Christians. And I'm afraid that we see a lot of that today that perhaps we don't take our walk with the Lord as seriously as it should. We use it when it's convenient. We put it on the shelf when it's not convenient. We may be faithful for a while, and then we don't want to be faithful anymore. So there's a lot of lightweightness that is out there today. In Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, a very, one of my very favorite scriptures Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know if there's ever been a day. Uh, I hear it a lot from TV preachers talking to people about their, their destiny, reaching your destiny making sure that you fulfill your purpose. And that's fine, and there, there's no problem with that, except there, there might be a little, different, uh, a little different connotation to it than what I have always known in my life. All of my years growing up, I didn't hear too much about reaching my destiny in order that I might have an easy life or in order that I might have a lot of riches, or a lot of good things. But I'll tell you what I did here. I heard an awful lot about finding the will of God in my life. Not a destiny that I might enjoy, not some place out there that would propel me to a life of comfort and ease, but I heard if you find the will of God, you will find a peace and a happiness that passes all understanding. And it might necessarily bring you riches. It may or it may not. But if you were in the will of the Lord, there would be an assurance there. There would be a confidence there. And I'll tell you, when you walk with the Lord for a lot of years, there are going to be times that you're going to have to know, Lord, I don't like what's going on around me. And I don't understand all of this mess that I am. But I know that I'm in your will. Believe me, every pastor who pastors for any length of time at all has found himself in those situations. There are times that problems arise. You know, it's, it's a little, um, little unusual. In, in years past, it seemed there was a lot of friction from the laity toward the ministry and so forth. I don't see much of that today, and that's a good thing. But you know what? There is a lot of times today, it's a lot of infighting among people. You know, people that doesn't like this person or, or that, and that, that can create hardship. So there are times that leadership has to know, Lord, I know that you've called me. 
I know that you have put me where you want me to be. And I stand on that truth and I stand on that ability and that confidence that you have put in me. So I would say to you today, instead of being concerned about destiny, instead of being concerned about that place that you want to reach that you think would bring you a life of comfort and ease, the best thing to do is to seek the will of the Lord. And sometimes it seems to be a little elusive. It's not always evident what, what that might be. But the Bible tells us how to find it. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. Isn't that wonderful? We got a little taste of that today in, in Adele's long sermon. <laughs> <laughs> and stand (laughs) but how that they have felt in their spirit and in their heart what is now coming to fruition and what is now taking place you see you just trust in the lord you just walk with him walk through any open doors and he is going to direct thy path he will make his will known unto you and then in the book of romans romans chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that doesn't sound like lightweight Christianity to me. To present our bodies, our, a living sacrifice, holy, holy, and acceptable unto God, which is a hardship, something that, to be born. No, it is your reasonable service. To present ourselves a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that is good and acceptable. One more along this line, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? And ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Friend, if you are a Christian today, you do not own yourself. You have been bought. You are a chosen generation. You have been purchased with Christ's blood. And therefore we are to show forth the praises of him who have called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. As it was with Job, life situations and experiences will reveal the depth of our walk with him. Boy, that's good. Life situations and experiences will reveal the depth of our walk with him. I received a 
call recently from a lady that I've known a long time but haven't seen in some time. And she happens to be involved in a, in a mega church and part of the leadership of the church. And during the course of our conversation, I, I asked her, I said, how, how are your crowds today? Are, are your crowds holding up? She said, no, it's, it's not as big as it used to be. And then she went on to tell me why. She said, in this, in this economy, a lot of folks are out of work. A lot of folks have lost their jobs. A lot of them don't have much money. And they say that they can't afford the gas to get to church. Be that as it may. I didn't, I didn't press the issue, but she was telling me that people are hurting. Therefore, they're blaming God. They don't feel that they have what they should have. They don't feel that they have what they think they deserve. And therefore, it's God's fault. And so we're just not going to go to church anymore. We're not going to serve the Lord. We're just going to do our own thing. Well, I didn't engage her in conversation any further about that. But I began to think, do you know, that's what happens to people when they are taught that being a Christian is going to get them the world on a string. That is what happens when people are told that if you will throw your lot with the Lord and if you will serve God, you'll have everything your little heart desires. That may not always be the case. But as we're going to see here in our study today about Job, Job was not like that. So life situations and experiences will reveal the depth of our walk with him. Just this week, Ohio's junior senator decided to trash his previously held convictions because his son's lifestyle was contrary to those convictions, which turned out to be no conviction at all, thereby disappointing tens of thousands of people. In John chapter 6, we find many of the followers of Jesus had left him, turned their back on him. And Jesus looked at the 12 and said, Will ye also go away? You also going to leave? I like what Peter said. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Friend, let me tell you something today. If you have Christ, you have no greater power in this world. If you have him, you have the one who spoke this world into existence. You have the one who caused the sun to stand still, who parted the Red Sea, who healed the leper, who opened blinded eyes, raised the dead, and yes, resurrected himself after being dead three days. To whom are you going to go to beat that? I have not found such a one. Of all the all-time questions in life, this is one of the biggies. How can a good and a loving God allow bad things to happen. Oh, you've heard that time after time, haven't you? And why is it that every time something bad happens to so many that the first thing they do is blame God? What's wrong? Blaming the devil. He's probably the one that did it, okay? He, he's, probably, he's probably the bad boy in the mess. First of all, why do bad things happen? We live in a tainted world. It is tainted by sin. 
And there is a prince of the power of darkness that is loose in this world. And let me tell you what his mission is. His mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's going about as a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. So never lose sight of the fact there's a devil on the loose. There's a devil out there that would like to snatch each and every one of us. And he will throw all kinds of things at us to try to get us to lose our integrity and our confidence in the Lord. Secondly, many of the situations and problems that people blame upon the Lord are simply a result of our own choices. The wise understand this. The wise can think of many examples. The unwise know no better than simply to blame God. And then there are those situations in life that simply defy a reason. They make no logical sense at all. There's no understanding to it. You don't know. You, you just cannot figure it out. Lord, I, you know, I, I've walked with you. I've tried my best to be faithful to you. There's no hidden sin in my life that I know of. And yet, problem after problem and all of this. What do we do in times like that? We stand upon his word. And one of the great scriptures to stand on is Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And that, my friend, is where Job found himself. You see, it's not, worth, it's, it's not easy going through such messes. It's not easy going through and enduring such tribulation. But if we are his... We're going to come out on the other side. We're going to come out good. I uh, was out of town a couple of weeks ago, but I understand that Brian preached about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were some things they just simply said no to. We don't know what we're going to face. We don't know what we're going to go through. Well, they knew what they were going to face. They didn't know what was going to happen when they got in there. They thought they would be burned up. But no, we are not going to bow down to this image. What happened? The Lord brought them through without a hair of their head being singed, without even a smell of smoke upon them. When Daniel was thrown in the lion's den because he wouldn't conform to this world, the Lord closed the mouth of the lions and he was thrown into the lion's den, but he came out, not a scratch on him. That's the kind of God I'm talking about. That's the kind of Lord that will take care of you. The Bible tells us in the first chapter of Job that uh, he was the greatest of all men. He was a great man. And one of his, or the beginning, the beginning of the book describes him as blameless and upstanding, a man who feared God and avoided evil. That's a good thing to do. Fear God, avoid evil. Job was a man of moral integrity. He kept his life clean, and even the appearance of evil was unpleasant to him. Oh, I wish we could all get back to that point. Instead of what can I get by with, what can I do? I wish we'd just shun the very appearance of evil. Shun the very appearance that I don't need that in my life. Maybe it's all right, but maybe it, it may lead to places that may do things to us that would not be good. Because of this, because of his life, because of his walk, 
the Lord prosper Job abundantly. One of Job's greatest attributes was in having riches without his heart being set upon them. You see, you've, you've heard me preach enough about this, that, you know, this prosperity, that everybody comes, the Lord's going to get rich. I, I don't believe all of that. But I do believe this, that he will bless you abundantly. I do believe if you give, it shall be given unto you. I do believe that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow to it. And you may never be blessed financially, but if you've got a, a great family unit, if you've got health, if you've got strength, You have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to bless the Lord about. So Job had riches, but did not allow his heart to be set upon them. And Job 1 verse 2 says, And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. And then it tells us of all the things that he had, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a very great household, so that this man was the riches of all the men of the east. So you see, you can know the Lord and still be blessed. You certainly can. But then one day Satan showed up and the Lord asked him, Whence comest thou? Oh, I've just been going to and fro throughout the earth, walking up and down in it. And then the Lord volunteered, Have you considered my servant Job? Satan said, But you have a hedge around him. You have protection. Have you ever felt that protecting hand of the Lord? Have you ever felt that? To know that the Lord... I know today there are a lot of people that are walking in fear. I hear it day after day. And a lot of it, I guess, I can understand. You know, we live in a, we live in a bad world. We live in a dangerous world. But I hear so many people that are, that are just so fearful of everything. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a spirit of love. <clears throat> So that hedge of protection, it's good to know we got that around us. Ben mentioned um, years that I evangelized. Many, but back in the day, <laughs> churches would have revivals, and you would go from Tuesday night to Sunday night, every night, every night, every night, every night. Didn't last for a week. It lasted for at least two weeks. If something was moving and good, it'd go on another week. It might go six weeks. And you were there every night. I don't know how people did it. I know you wouldn't do it today. (laughs) And nobody is having that kind of meeting anymore because nobody will come. And so you know what revival has has, uh, filtered down to? A Sunday service. We're having a visiting preacher and we're going to have a one-day revival. Well, that's not the kind of revivals that I used to know about. But then usually on um, Sunday night after the service, uh, we, would, we would beat at home. And we might travel several hours' drive to get home, to be home late, late, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Have all day Monday at home, Monday night, and then take off again by noon on Tuesday, but we wanted a little time to ourselves because we stayed in ministers' homes, you see. We just stayed right in. You know, very seldom did you get a hotel room to stay in. That's just the way it was. But as we would be traveling on the highway late at night, there would be times that Don and I could almost just feel 
the protecting hand of the Lord. And to be truthful with you, it was a good thing that we had that. Because our little boy, Brian, was standing on the front seat in between us, and his seatbelt was this. <laughs> Do you remember those days? Yeah. If you, uh, if you had to throw on your brakes real quick, you went like this. And that's all there was to it. So thank God for his hedge of protection. Everybody said amen. amen. <laughs> and then in Job 1 and verse 12, the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself not put forth thine hand. Satan went forth in the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. They came, and the messenger said unto Job, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the sword. I am the only one that's escaped. While he was yet speaking, speaking, someone else came. The fire of God hath fallen from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I'm the only guy that's left to tell about it. While he was yet speaking, another one came. The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels. They've carried them away, slain the servants with the edge of the sword. I'm the only guy left. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, smote the four corners of the house, and fell upon the young men, and they are dead. I'm the only ones left to tell. I don't think any of us have had a bad day like that bad day. Have you ever had a bad day like that? I've not had that kind of a bad day. I don't know what I would do if I did have a bad day like that. I'll tell you what Job did. He rose, he rent his mantle, he shaved his head, and he fell down upon the ground, and he worshiped. He worshiped. How much different than pointing a finger at God? Why God? And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I suppose the closest I have ever seen to that type of attitude was back in the 80s when one of my very best friends passed away at age 43. Our families have been friends since our birth, and it was a terrible, traumatic time. This man who passed away also had a brother that was born 18 years after he, or 18 months after he had been born, just a year and a half between them. After my friend died, 18 months later, his younger brother also died. And here was this, this dad and this mother at the burial of their second son in the prime of life. And as I walked past the casket and past the viewing situation there, trying to offer some condolences and sympathy to this man's father, I'll never forget what he said as he stood there and he said, well, everything the Lord does is right. He never does anything wrong. I don't know if I could say that if 
my sons were not here with me today. Job said it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us in all of this that Job sinned not, neither did he charge God foolishly. So Job passed the first test, but that wasn't the end of it. In the second chapter, the Bible tells us that Satan came to the Lord again and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Put forth thine hand, now touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. Satan went out then and smote Job from the top of his head to the sole of his feet with boils. You've heard that old saying, sore as a boil, haven't you? We, somebody said that the other day to some young person. They had never heard that. You know, you have something said, boy, that thing is sore as a boil. Well, if you've had a boil, you know that that's a bad thing. That's a sore feeling. Job had him covered his body from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. Till he went out and he sat in a bunch of ashes. He took a broken piece of pottery and there he scraped his own flesh. And then along came his wife. Thank God for the support of a good wife. Amen. <laughs> well, Job's wife wasn't quite that kind of a woman. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just renounce God and get out of here? You know, I've had it with you and these balls and the scraping mess that you're doing. Why don't you just curse God and, and die? Forget all about it. But not so with Job. In the 10th verse, he said, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all of this did not Job sin with his lips. You see, sometimes there's a price to be paid. And also, sometimes one's greatest hindrances to our walk with the Lord can come from one's own household. That's the reason that the Lord said that we are to love him above father and mother. As a little boy, I would hear that scripture preached, you know, the, the scripture that says, um, well, actually, it's in, it's in Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yea, his own life, he cannot be my... What do you mean hate mommy and daddy? I, I don't want to do that. That's not... It doesn't really mean hate. It means love less. That you love him supremely above all above everybody, above everything, that if we were to come to him. There have been clergymen in recent years that have had a mission and they make no bones about it that they want to set out to, in their own words, redefine Christianity. Redefine Christianity. But I want to shoot straight with you here this morning. And I want you to know that if you... Follow after the Lord. There's still a crucifying of one's fleshly desires that has to be done. In other words, there's a price to be paid, but it is so worth it. Romans 8:18 8, says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Think of it this way. For the Christian, this is as bad as it gets. This is as bad as it gets. Because he has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, there we may be also. Aches and pains, death, sorrow. He has promised us life everlasting. You know, we don't hear too much about heaven anymore. Back, back um, in the Depression days, people were so down and out. Heaven, heaven was their hope. Heaven was their hope. They, they, they yearned for heaven. They talked about it. So many of the songs back in that era had to do with heaven. Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. On and on and on, song after song was written about a place called heaven. But you see, I've seen a, a turning. We, we are failing to look at eternal things today as much, and we have looked at temporal things. We've looked at life as it is today. We've looked at main, reaching our destiny and fulfilling our purpose and all of that, knowing that our life is but a vapor. It's here today. It's going tomorrow. It's like the grass that withereth away. And there's eternity that we will all spend somewhere. But let me tell you about this place called heaven. If you've got it bad here today, if you have tests and trials and tribulation. Let me tell you that there's a place where there's no tears, where there's no pain, no sorrow, where you'll never grow old. How many is in favor of that one? No wrinkles, no limping, and above all, to be in his presence, his presence the one we have talked about, the one we have sung about, the one we've preached about, the one we've prayed to, we are going to see him. And not only are we going to see him, but we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah. (laughs) Friend, it will be worth it all to see Jesus. Worry, pilgrim, buck up. Buck up. It's going to be worth it all. To see him. So after the boils and the negative input of Joe's wives, then here came his friends and they sat down, they stared at him for seven days and seven nights and didn't say a word. <laughs> Just sat there. Now, there are some commentators that said that that wasn't as bad as what it looks like. That that was just a way of, hey, we're here for you. You know, we're, we're here. It's not, not that big a deal because uh, you weren't supposed to say anything until Job said something. He didn't feel much like saying something, apparently. But then his one friend... Eliphaz came along and his sight was this. Job, you know, the innocent are not, are not punished. The upright are never cut off. If you, were, if you were pure and upright, this really wouldn't be happening to you. You must be guilty of something. So on top of all this, now he had to have his integrity questioned by his friend. Let me say this. That when you see folks suffering today, trying to analyze why is beyond your pay grade. (laughs) And it's beyond my pay grade. 
But Job answered his critics in um, in Job chapter 19. And this is what he said to them in Job 19, 19. All my inward friends abhor me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. And if you'll read that 19th deal, you'll, you'll just see a lot of things there. But this is what he ends up saying in verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Kind of reminds me of the scripture in the New Testament in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor whatever comes nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you something today, friend. God's got your back. He knows all about you. He has not forgotten you. It matters not how bleak life might be at this particular time. God knows all about it. So how does this tale of woe eventually play out? What is the end result? Job chapter 42 and verse 10 says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12 says, The Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning, for he doubled everything. Now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. And the Bible says, No women were found so fair as the daughters of Job. He even gave him pretty girls. None prettier throughout the land. And he was blessed doubly from what he had before. Job was blessed with long life. After all of this, the Lord gave him another 140 years. And the Bible says that he died being old and full of days. So to wrap this up, what's all this got to do with me, you may ask? Everything. Job's faith triumphed over tribulation. My talking about it today is, doesn't amount to that much compared to what it really was. I cannot be so descriptive to tell you what this good man of God went through. So I would ask all of us, how strong is our faith today? How deeply rooted are we? What kind of foundation have you built your life upon? Is your life built upon a foundation of sand that when the winds and the storms comes, it'll blow you apart? Or have you built your life upon the solid rock, Christ Jesus, where the winds may blow, the storms rage fierce, but yet you stand? You know, folks, we have it so easy in this country I don't know how long we'll have it easy because it really looks to me like things are changing and changing rapidly. There are things that have taken place in the last few years that I thought 
could never get accomplished in this nation. I thought the church is too strong. There are too many believers. We would never stand, stand for that. Nobody's going to roll us over. But they are rolling us over. And things are changing in our culture and our society and our country that are mind-boggling. And if, if, you, if you're one of these people who just kind of float through life and don't pay any attention, then you probably have no idea at all as to what is really taking place out there. But, you know, there are African countries where Christians meet. Muslims have come into those services and those meetings with machine guns and mowed every last Christian down. Every last one of them. Kill them. That's what is happening. It's so strange to me that our country is now requesting tolerance for every group except Christians. You may remember seeing the picture of hundreds and hundreds of Muslims who shut down a city street in New York City, bowed their face to the ground, praying toward Mecca. And that was okay. But don't dare say a Christian prayer in school. Don't dare mention the name of Jesus. How about the pastor in Iran right now, the Christian pastor, who is in prison and is threatened with death every day. And he could get out of that just like that if he would renounce his Lord. And our country's letting him sit over there. Even though his wife appeared, I believe, just this week before a congressional committee, asking and begging them, please do something about my husband. What if somebody pointed a gun at you like they did Rachel Scott at Columbine and said, are you a Christian? When it happened to Rachel Scott, she didn't hesitate. She said, yes. He pointed the gun at her and said, then go meet your God right now and pull the trigger. And that's exactly what she did. She went and met her God. Short trip to glory. The scripture says, search me, O God, and know my heart, I pray. Cleanse me from every sin. So I think today that this would be a a great time for all of us to do some re-evaluating. For us to do some rededications here this morning. There might be folks here that life has just about gotten the best of you. I know that in a congregation this size, you have brought in here today all kind of heartache, all kind of pain, all kind of suffering. A lot of people are sitting here today under the sound of my voice who are hurting deeply, I'm sure. But if you don't know him, I want to introduce you to one called Jesus. And if you do know him, if you've walked with him, I just want to remind you that there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. And I'll also tell you this, that regardless of what you are facing, he has promised that he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. You might think he has, but it could be just that amount of time that you could turn around and the windows of his blessings could open and you could be blessed in like measure such as Job was. So that's the message today, my friend. Job's faith triumphed over tribulation. Job's faith triumphed over tribulation. 
Shall we bow our heads? Lord, we thank you for this prime example in the Word of God concerning this man who faced such unbelievable, almost unbearable situations in his life. We thank you for his example of standing strong, of never doubting, of never turning his back upon you, but persevering through the storm, persevering through the trial. And Lord, I ask you here today, those who are hurting, those who have pain in their life, I pray, Lord, that you will give them the same faith. Help them, Lord, not to falsely blame you, but help them to put their faith, their trust, and their confidence in you, knowing that you will guide us every step of the way, and you will bring us through to great and glorious victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me today, please?